So this morning, uh, we're continuing through Advent. So we're doing Adventy things. Um, Colossians 1, 3 through 20 uh, is the scripture for this morning. It'll be on the screen behind me. It'll be on the screen uh, in front of you uh, if you're at home watching. Um, yeah, Colossians 1, 3 through 20, before we read, let's pray together. Uh, once again, God, we're grateful for, for your word. Grateful for your presence, Spirit, that as we, as we read, as we listen, uh, we pray that you would do something inside of us that you would open us up, that you would uh, change us in small ways, in big ways, in whatever ways we need it, so that, so that we look more like you, Jesus. Um, I pray these things in your name. Amen. So Colossians 1, 3 through 20, Paul's writing to a group of people, and he's saying this, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of the light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We will go that far. So last week we talked, Paul wrote, wrote another letter to a group of people in Rome, and he said, the time has come for you to wake up from your slumber. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. The day is coming. So there's this theme in Advent where, where we wake up to 
pay attention. Pay attention not just to get ourselves ready to celebrate the, uh, the coming of Jesus into the world, the birth of God in the flesh, but to also prepare ourselves for the, for the coming of Jesus into our lives every day. The presence of Jesus all around us. Wake up. Pay attention. Well, if we're going to wake up, if we're going to pay attention during Advent, then we better pay attention to the real Jesus, who Jesus really was and is for us and the rest of the world. And as I was reflecting on this, sort of I was thinking about one of the, one of the biggest barriers for us in connecting with, with God to knowing the real Jesus. And I want to get at it this way. And I've used this before, but this is the only time of year you can use this. So I'm going to use it again. Have you heard of the movie Talladega Nights? The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. You already know where I'm going with this, so I'm just going to go there right away. So it's a movie about this race car driver named Ricky Bobby, not the smartest guy in the world at all, right? But if you watch the movie, there's this certain scene, and if you know this movie, you know which scene I'm talking about, it brings up, an, it brings up a theological reality, okay? It brings up something that I think is important for us to talk about. Right? So, I'm going to tell you about the scene, but there's going to be some creative editing because I could not show the scene. If you want to watch the scene, you can get on YouTube and find it. It's easy to find, but if you've got little ears around, you might not want to do it then. Find a time where you can watch it without little ears around. So, at one point in the, in the movie, they're all around a table and Ricky Bobby prays. Now, normally, when people pray in movies, it's sort of a generic prayer right? Or it's the Lord's Prayer, either one. But in this particular case, he actually prays in the name of Jesus, which is fantastic, right? To hear the name of Jesus in a movie, right? That's big. But here's the deal. As you know, if you know the movie, he prays to little baby Jesus, right? The prayer goes something like this. I'm not even going to try to imitate Will Ferrell. I'm just not. It's not going to be good if I try. But here's, here's the prayer. goes something like this. Dear tiny baby Jesus, in your tiny baby crib with your tiny little hands and feet, don't even know a word. Watching your tiny little Einstein baby development videos, use your tiny little superpowers to keep me winning on the racetrack. So funny, right? And before he can finish the prayer, his wife, who's, who's uh, in the smartness category, she's a little bit higher than he is. She's like up the ladder. She says this, you know, I don't think you're supposed to pray to little baby Jesus because he grew up and became a man. I think you're supposed to pray to the grown-up Jesus. To which Ricky Bobby replies, I don't want to pray to that Jesus. I like praying to little baby Jesus because it makes me feel good just to think about him being a, a little tiny infant. So when you're praying, you can pray to the grown-up Jesus or the teenage Jesus or the bearded Jesus or whoever you want to, but I like Christmas Jesus. I like cuddly little baby Jesus. I'm going to pray to him. Such a good scene. It's way better if I could have shown it, but I couldn't show it. You can pray to whatever Jesus you want to. Grown-up Jesus, teenage Jesus, bearded Jesus. You mean there are different kinds of Jesuses? What? Really? So I think this highlights something very important for us to think about. 
Because it shows us one of the barriers we face when it comes to connecting with God who became flesh revealed in Jesus. And that barrier is this. We all have this tendency to sort of replace the real Jesus with whatever Jesus we want him to be. With whatever Jesus sort of makes us more comfortable. There are different Jesuses. Like we have this tendency to replace the real Jesus with these other Jesuses, with, other, with Jesus who we want Jesus to be, right? So fortunately, we have someone like Paul who comes along and he's written these words and he can help us, help sort of set us straight a little bit, helps us to deconstruct, take apart all of our little fake Jesuses, right? And give us a picture of who the real Jesus was and is for us and the rest of the world. So during the next, the rest of our time, we're going to take three. There are lots of little Jesuses out there that we could, lots of these little fake Jesuses we could sort of grab and deconstruct and set alongside of the real Jesus, but we're going to do three uh, this morning. Is anybody shocked that it's three? By the way, three, that makes the most sense. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three. So it's three. Get three again. So now, first, we might be tempted, like Ricky Bobby, to replace the real Jesus with, with little baby Jesus, tiny little baby Jesus. We do this because it makes us feel so good thinking about Jesus like as an infant in that manger. There's something about that scene that is so quaint and beautiful. We like thinking about this little baby Jesus because when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream, the angel said this, you are to give this little baby the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And we love that. We love the concept of Jesus coming to save the people from our sins. Yes, but we don't necessarily like thinking about the impact this Jesus might actually make on our everyday lives. Right? We, don't think of, we don't necessarily like to think of little baby Jesus placing demands on us or confronting us, right? He's just cute lying there. It's so good. Little baby Jesus here to save us from our sins and help us to go to heaven. Like we want this Jesus to sort of save our souls, but leave our lifestyles alone. I once heard someone say something like this. We love this Jesus because he gets people out of hell, but he doesn't get the hell out of people. And we know this. We can't just check a saved box and not put the rest of our lives under a microscope. Like, we can't just keep Jesus in that little manger, not making any impact on our lives. The story of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the gospel will not allow it. The Bible is absolutely clear on this reality. We cannot be saved and just stay the same. Let me say that again. Cannot be saved and just stay the same. That's not even a good picture of what salvation really is. It's much, much bigger than just going to heaven one day when we die. Salvation bears itself out in the here and now, the present. Right? Paul says in another one of his letters, this one to the, to the Corinthians, in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. In fact, change is one of Paul's favorite things to talk about. 
Transformation is one of Paul's favorite things to talk about. In verse 13 of what we read, he said this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Rescued from darkness into the kingdom of his son. It's like we've been traded to a new team. We're on a different team now. It's a wholesale change, a fundamental difference in who we are. Like this is a radical change in allegiance from darkness to light. It doesn't mean that we're saved now and we can just do whatever we want to. It means that, it means that sin and self-run lives are just, they're not the only options anymore. Right, friends, followers of Jesus are no longer chained or shackled to things like anger and lust and power and violence and deceitfulness, right? Salvation enters our lives now, right? We're free to live out now kingdom values, love, grace, healing, forgiveness, generosity, the fruits of the Spirit. Look them up in Galatians 5. They're all there. Things like love God, love your neighbor, lose your life in order to save your life, The first shall be last. The last shall be first. We, like Jesus, have come to serve, to give ourselves away, to give our lives away, not to be served. The real Jesus doesn't just bring salvation for us so that we go to heaven when we die. It's that and then some. He brings a freedom here, a salvation in the present from all that stuff today. Our lives can be different. Our lives, we can experience redemption here and now, transformation, change in the here and now. So we can't keep Jesus in that little manger, cute, cuddly, not making any demands on our lives, not confronting anything in us. Like the gospel won't allow it. So that's the first of our little fake Jesuses. Here's another. We might be tempted to replace the real Jesus with Jesus plus. Like Disney plus, right? We love Disney plus. How many of us have Disney plus? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. We love Disney plus, right? It's something we can just kind of check into when we want to. ESPN plus, anybody? Right? Apple TV plus, plus, Jesus plus, like, ooh, Jesus plus. Now, this one is, is common, but I think it's also, it's subtle, right? See, we do a really good job um, sort of compartmentalizing our lives. Like, we see our lives being divided in all these different categories. We have these different columns for different things, right? We have our family column. We have our friends column. We have our career column. We have our hobbies column, we have our recreation column, and and we have our, you know, they're only marginally sort of related to one another, but then, and then we throw in some Jesus plus. It's just another one. We add Jesus plus, here we are, we press the app, here we are on a Sunday morning, we've entered Jesus plus, we get, we get Jesus for an hour on Sunday, and it makes us feel good. Like we say it re-energizes us for the rest of our week, but we don't really pay attention. And it's just kind of, we popped in for an hour. Jesus plus. But for Paul, Jesus is not an add-on. 
Jesus is not something extra we just throw into our lives. In his letter to the Colossians, he makes that clear. If we're followers of Jesus, all of our life, seven days a week, every moment of every day impacted by our faith in Jesus. This little passage is loaded with all sorts of imagery and metaphor of completeness, of wholeness, of fullness. He's trying to, he's trying to get us this, to, to feel this idea of in all things, right? Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. You know what that means, Right? means that there's nothing we experience, nothing we experience that God doesn't want us to experience with him. There's nothing we experience that God wants us to take it all alone. God wants to take it on with us. The presence of the divine wants us to lean on God's strength. Every pain, every suffering, every sorrow, every relationship, every negative thought, every anxious thought, every insecurity, every temptation. The real Jesus isn't just something extra. Wants to be involved in all things. He goes on, for by him all things were created. All things were created by him. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Are you getting getting a sense for the size and scope of Jesus' reign? In him all things hold together. All things. Not just the things that we like, not just the things that we support, not just the things that we get behind, not just the things that we sort of root for in this world and in our society, but all things. In him, all things hold together. Are you getting the sense for the size and scope of God's reign, Jesus' reign? He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, so that in everything, everything he might have supremacy. Supremacy, first place, the most important thing, the thing, the one, the person that influences everything, more important than money, happiness, health, stuff, family, friends, love, da, da, list goes on and on. Friends, Jesus isn't the cherry in your cherry Coke. He's Coke. He's not the pepperoni on your pizza. He's the whole pizza. He's not the icing on the cake. He's the icing and the cake, the whole thing. He's not part of our lives. He's all of our lives. That's why at the end of every worship service, when I do that thing, I emphasize this every week, the power and the presence of the Spirit be with us all every single moment of every single day. It's absolute in Jesus' comprehensive reign in our lives. Not just something extra. So two Jesuses, fake ones that we make up, right? Got the fake little baby Jesus in the manger, right? Doesn't, doesn't sort of, there's no expectations there. 
doesn't confront us anywhere, just cute, cuddly. And then there's Jesus plus. The Jesus we sort of just occupies a little compartment in our lives. We just press the, the app when we want to get in, spend an hour, and then we're good. Just adds a little flavoring, but not a real priority. And then we've got the third fake Jesus. Might call this Jesus irrelevant Jesus that transforms into all kinds of Jesuses. Most of us aren't likely to, to sort of turn Jesus into irrelevant Jesus because why would we be here if we didn't think Jesus was relevant for us? We think Jesus is relevant. Like Jesus is important to us. But, but irrelevant Jesus is out there. Lots of people think Jesus is irrelevant. Lots of people think that Jesus and Christianity and the Bible are just sort of out of date, old-fashioned, the thing that mom and dad might have been into, but, but not us, not really relevant to today's world, right? There are lots of people in the world today who believe that we just live in a world of reason and rationality. That's where we're at. We don't need to get fooled. We don't need to live into these stories and myths and legends by this wandering rabbi from Israel. We don't need that stuff anymore. We've moved beyond that stuff. Today, Jesus is just sort of irrelevant. It's old. It's just, Jesus is just tied up in, in old music and dry and stale stories. Jesus is, is sort of tied up in rules and regulations and an outdated way of living. And to these people, irrelevant Jesus just doesn't understand the demands placed on our lives, especially our young ones. Doesn't have this, you know, irrelevant Jesus doesn't understand the sort of pressures and the temptations that younger people have to deal with today. They're just vulnerable in different ways. And to these people, Jesus is, is just irrelevant because it's just blind obligation to this old tradition, this family tradition, this stuff that we just don't need anymore. We've moved beyond that. And sometimes irrelevant Jesus gets changed into a different Jesus because when we hear the world telling us that our faith is irrelevant, that it doesn't matter, that Jesus is irrelevant, what do we do? We get angry. We get mad. And so we turn irrelevant Jesus into militant Jesus. And we want to take things back by power. We want to take things back by force. And so we'll do things like we'll, we'll vote for people or we'll support people who have absolutely no characteristic in line with Jesus at all just because they support the policies that we think the world ought to follow, right? And so irrelevant Jesus gets into, get, turns into militant Jesus and we'll do things like storm capitals, If that's what Jesus is, then right? I mean, we have to pay attention. So here's here's what Jesus, here's what Paul says. Here's what Jesus describes. About the real Jesus. He's timeless. Paul says that Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, which, which means that from before time itself, Jesus had his passion, his love, his creativity, 
his dominion over every aspect of the universe. From eternity, through the incarnation, through the past 2,000 years, Jesus has demonstrated that he has the power to shape and transform human people, human beings. And this, this is where we have to take up our mantle as Jesus people. We have to be careful not to dismiss people who say that Jesus is irrelevant, right? Because they may be on to something. We have to listen to people, <laughs> respect people, honor people. We can't turn irrelevant Jesus into militant Jesus and be like, no, you have to believe what we believe. Or We can't do that. We have to listen. It's not that people aren't open to Jesus. It's just that we haven't accurately described and demonstrated with thoughts and words and deeds who the real Jesus is. That's on us. We are responsible for creating healthy, relevant, open-ended dialogue that invites people to talk about these things, that invites the younger generation of people that invites the marginalized people into conversations that will shape who we are and what we do and how we move forward. The fundamentals of what we believe aren't going to change. Things that are like in the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, things like that, those things are fundamental to what we believe. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He died on the cross so that we could experience redemption Right? Jesus is here to, to shape and transform lives. Jesus is God in the flesh. All that stuff is standard. Not, that stuff doesn't change, but there are all sorts of things that are sort of secondary that we need to be able to listen to the people around us, listen to their experience, listen to what science is teaching us, listen to what we're learning in the world in order for us to figure out how do we now faithfully move forward and live out our faith? How do we embrace our present reality with our faith in Jesus? And we have to do this. We have have the responsibility of having faith to believe that in Jesus all things hold together. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. In Jesus all things hold together together. So here's the point of this passage. Jesus can't be contained in our little fake Jesuses. Cannot. Our little fake images of him, not going to work. He won't stay in the manger and not change our lives. He won't settle for just being a little something, something, a little extra, a little Jesus plus. He absolutely will not be irrelevant. He cannot be contained. He cannot be contained in all our little fake Jesuses of him. Verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Just think about those words. Just, if you do nothing else, just dwell on those words for the rest of the day. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or on earth, 
by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, reconciling to himself all things. So during the season of Advent, let's pay attention to the real Jesus. Let's let the real Jesus deconstruct our our little fake Jesuses so that we can actually pay attention to the real Jesus, the one who brings real hope, real joy, real peace, real transformation, which means we might have to change, probably will have to change. So let's just pay attention to the real Jesus and have the faith that everything's going to be okay because you know what? Once again, in him all things hold together. It's all going to be okay. Not just okay. It's going to be great again. At some point, it's going to be amazing. Let's pray.